You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. And I'm Scout and we are the sisters. You say OK Sis podcast and then I say it so it sounds weird but we are sisters IRL and I would just like to formally apologize for this intro because I am feeling quite ill. Not the COVID, don't worry. Just just weak, dizzy, tired and let's see if I can formulate coherent sentences and a good energy level here. Yeah, so your energy level is typically low, but like today it's just like in the negative space. I need a four-hour nap. Yeah, that's probably doable. I mean, not really because it's 4 p.m., so I can't take a four-hour nap right now. That's okay. All right, let's get on with the episode. So um, previously on our on our earlier episode this week, we talked about that petition to get a bo- black bachelor. So we're sorry that it came out um, after because we had uh, we hadn't heard the news that Matt James nine one nine is officially the first black bachelor. He has never been a bachelor contestant, and it is fabulous news. And but he's bachelor adjacent because he's Tyler's right. He's best Tyler friend. C's best friend. He's very well known in Bachelor Nation, so it's not that big of a surprise. But it is kind of strange that he has never been on the franchise or been part of the cast. Yeah, but it's a good move. They they chose correctly. I think he's already a fan favorite just from being in Tyler's life, and so I feel as if he's become like part of Batch Nation just in that right. So I think they made the right move because he's already beloved by Batch Nation. Um, I think it's going to be good. But it's we don't want to. But we don't want to 
um, let ABC off the hook just yet. I was listening to Rachel Lindsay on Bachelor Party with Juliette Littman. Everyone knows my favorite Bachelor content uh, podcast. And uh, she was kind of saying that, yes, this is great news. And yes, this is a move in the right direction. But it cannot stop here. And until she sees systematic change within the actual structure of the show, within the casting of the show, she will not be pleased. And I think that is a really good kind of attitude to have. Like we shouldn't just be like, okay, great. Now he has, it's again, as I always say, my favorite uh, phrase, moral licensing. You can't just throw a black bachelor out just to appease people. And she said it felt like a knee jerk reaction to what is going on in the world, which of course it pretty much was, but I think we need to hold them a little more accountable than just picking a black lead. There needs to be diversity in the actual cast. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand, but I, I do think we should celebrate this monumental moment because it is a historical moment in batch nation. And I think that we shouldn't let it, you know, just slip, you know, how, you know, slip by just because it's the work isn't done. I think we should definitely celebrate the steps that are being taken and, and continue looking forward to the steps that hopefully will be taken that we can hold them accountable for. So I cannot wait for the season. It's probably not going to be for like another year. So we got a while. Yeah. Um, also, also other uh, news. Caitlin Bristow is going on yes. Dancing with the Stars. Congrats, Justice girl. Justice has been served. Yes, it she has. She has wanted to go on Dancing with the Stars since literally she was Bachelorette. And it's coming full circle. And we're very, very proud of her and excited for that journey of her life. I'm just waiting for her and Jason to get uh, engaged. engaged I know I they posted a photo today and it, I, I thought for a second maybe they were engaged so that was from a photo shoot that they were that they had done a while ago and and when those photos first came out people were like wait are these engagement photos they're like oh no sorry this is like just like a product shot it was like a promo or something so it was very misleading but um she had posted on her Instagram that they were looking at rings so it's it's gonna happen soon oh my god additionally um Francesca and Harry from too hot to handle dun, 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 dun. Have broken up I think we all saw that coming from a mile away I mean but he just proposed like a month ago so Yes, but he's also is getting like a taste of the fame. He is all over TikTok. Uh, he's also like twenty two. Yeah, he's young, and he um he has been doing a lot of TikToks with um uh f- she's in the vlog squad. Carissa, Carissa, Car- don't ask Whatever. me. She's in the vlog squad with David Dobrik, and he has been doing a lot of TikToks with her. So I think he's just been like, oh, I I can be beyond. And I am like a hot guy, even though Francesca is the hottest, the hottest. Yeah, she's a babe on the planet. I think he was just like, oh, wait, I can't settle down now. Like, look at me and look at look at all the TikTok followers. And oh, the so house. you think it was his. Did you watch her YouTube video? Yeah, he said she said he broke up with her. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So um, we hope we give I mean, we send her all of the love. I hope she gets TikTok famous, which I don't even know if she's on TikTok. I need to check. But um, they're going to be fine. They have like four point. They have four million plus followers I know, it's on Instagram. So it's, out, it's, it's out of control. That that metric is beyond any 
reality TV show. Like, no one on The Bachelor has that much. Like, it's wild. And The Bachelor is, like, a very established, established. institution. I know. I know. Just Even, to like, show. Stassi and Sheena don't have that oh, many no, no, from no, Vanderpump. No. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. The Real Housewives don't even have that many. And they're, like, re- reality TV royalty. Yeah. So, anyways, th- that's our little pop culture updates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So don't, don't ask me to contribute, you know, beautiful the, thoughts right now. Okay. Sorry. Brain fog and life. Okay. So let's get into uh, some housekeeping. So everyone knows we have a newsletter. Shout out. Um, go to okaysispodcast.com in order to subscribe. Or just hit the link in the show notes. Yes. And then we have an Instagram at okaysispodcast. I mean, there's like premium content being churning out over there. Um, we also have a Facebook page Facebook, Facebook, Facebook page. page I was like what the fuck am I trying to say secret Facebook group okay sisters it's lit over there and very fun and then um, we do have some merch from girl gang the label if you go to girl gang the label dot com and search okay sis you can also use the code okay sis for 20% off I hope it's 20% off. Yeah, it's 20% off um, okay. and it's really cute we have sweatshorts crop tops crop sweatshirts bucket hats mugs yeah. Tote bags, the whole nine yards. Yeah, we want to see some uh, TikTok dances in those outfits. And that is all for housekeeping. Yeah. Also, you should probably like subscribe to this podcast if you're listening. That'd yeah. be great. And we're excited that we're releasing an episode on Thursday because because we can and we want to. And yeah, you know what? No rules in the COVID and the queue. Yeah, let's so, just like, the COVID, let's yikes. keep the content going. So anyways, this episode was amazing. Nourished my soul. Okay, we interviewed Amy Ann Cadwell. She is from The Good Trade. And if you guys know, we have been mentioning this a lot of times. Their newsletter called The Daily Good, which is just probably the best thing to slide into your inbox other than our newsletter. But, you know, you, there's more. There's room for all of the newsletters. Um, but this one in particular, The Daily Good, it is something that is just so tender and really um, reflective, I think. It's just, you know, that she puts these prompts at the beginning. We talk about a little bit in this episode of, like, how she develops and comes up with these beautiful observations and and things, uh, her thoughts that she puts into, you know, every single day she has to write these prompts. So, um, yes, it was extremely nourishing. She is such a beautiful, angelic soul. She's got all the self-care tips, all the mental well-being, all the balance stuff. So all the sustainability information. I mean, just an angel. So we think you guys will all enjoy this. And I think it's the perfect little little uh, mental health perk on a Thursday. So enjoy, sisters. Enjoy, sisters. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. 
Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Amy Ann Cadwell is co-founder and CEO of The Good Trade, a premier digital destination for sustainable lifestyle content, annually reaching over 50 million highly engaged readers across web, social, and newsletter. Cadwell is also an angel investor and advisor for early-stage lifestyle consumer brands. She has been recognized by Forbes and is a frequent speaker at conferences such as the Heart Series, Blog Her, and the Yellow Conference. Without further ado, Amy Ann. Hi. So happy to be here. We are so excited to have you. Um, As everyone knows, I mention The Daily Good, which is your newsletter from The Good Trade about maybe every episode because it is (laughs) such an inspiring way. I literally wake up and get excited to check my inbox. And I don't really, I love newsletters, but yours, something about it just feels, obviously it's very short, so it's very digestible, which is helpful. And it's just inspiring. There's literally no negativity in it. It is incredible. 
Oh, thanks. I love hearing that. It's so it's such a like zing of happiness to hear when people like to open their inbox to get our newsletter. Mm-hmm. It feels like it feels really good. And, and we love um, connecting with the amazing women and men and uh, people that that follow along every day. Yeah. So Mads told me I had to subscribe to a while ago and I did. And honestly, I go through my email every morning and I just check the ones that I can just click read real quick, but I always leave yours because I love reading the entry quote. That's my favorite part is the entry quote of the newsletter. Thanks so much. Yeah, we have, we have so many team members dedicated to the newsletter, even though it's like so short and sweet, we pour so much love into every edition and, um, yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that it doesn't get marked as red without actually being red. <laughs> yes, we love it. Oh no, never. Um, yeah, so you are like a self-care, self-care queen. So we are going to get into all that because I feel like you have such great tips and mindfulness um, exercises that you can kind of share with us. But first, let's get into current conversations. Okay, so my current fixation is, and I think I'm I'm super late on this bandwagon, but I've been using them for a while, but I haven't spoken about it, but scrunchies, and not mm. because of the 90s throwback or the nostalgia or like the aesthetic of scrunchies. For me, I didn't realize because I have curly hair, and so when I put a regular... Um, what's it called? Hair tie. It leaves a mark like it it indents my hair so I can't ever wear my hair up and then the next day wear it down unless I wash it and redo it. So with scrunchies, it doesn't crease your hair. It doesn't like put that indent in the middle where the where it was and I can wear my hair up in a bun one day for half the day. I can take it down and then wear it down like it's amazing, especially I don't know about straight hair. I don't know how, how that world works, but for curly hair, scrunchies are it. I love scrunchies so much, and I have a very sad story about scrunchies, just a very quick um, anecdotal story. I was obsessed with scrunchies over the last couple of years, and a year and a half ago, we got a puppy, and he's like a giant puppy. He's like 85 pounds, and he eats my scrunchies, and he totally gets like totally upset stomach, and so at one point, my partner, my husband was like, no more scrunchies. Like we can't do the scrunchies anymore because it's ruining Clifford's stomach. And so sadly, I've I've turned to like the silk hair ties, which also help with like that crimp in your hair. Um, so that's an alternative if your pet eats your your hair products. Girl, you just got to put your scrunchies in a drawer. I know, I know. But like, you know, they'd like go on the wrist and then you'd take it off and put it on the counter when you're cooking or something and somehow he'd find them. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Also, the fact that your dog's name is Clifford, I am <laughs> dying. He's pretty cute. He's pretty great. We he's very popular in the neighborhood, I would have to say. I, he's, he's just a big like it. goofy guy. Oh, so sweet. Okay. So my current fixation is actually something that I did find from the grade. It is a playlist that you guys made. It's called the soothing edit and soothing. It is indeed. Um, everyone knows that I, I like to listen to like jazz or something in the mornings or while I'm working. And I don't know, just recently I've been in this like rut, this music rut, because I'm usually listening to podcasts. I haven't been listening to a lot of music recently, but 
this playlist kind of satiates both of those needs where I'm discovering new music, but I'm also feeling like it's not like ramping me up so I can put it on while I work. And it is just, it's an incredible playlist. So I encourage everyone to go look it up. The soothing edit edit. I love that playlist as well. And our whole team contributed to it. And it's just like a really nice, like wake up in the morning and listen to it or work to it. And I'm always looking for music I can like play in the background while I'm working and have it be kind of like gentle and um, yeah. So my like fixation right now is normal people. Um, both the book by Sally Rooney and the uh, adaptation um, on Hulu. It's fantastic. I have not been so in love with novels like I'm always in love with novels, but Sally Rooney is fantastic. I love both of her her novels. And then I don't usually, you know, like love the TV adaptation or movie adaptation of a book that I've so connected to, but normal people is just like got me. And I think it's some of some of it's like the escapism and the romance right now. And you're like, oh, it's just nice as we're all kind of stuck in our homes you are preaching to the choir <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so yeah this is like no secret uh scout and i are normal people stands awesome. um so i was actually i i read normal people a while ago and it is it still stands as one of my favorite books and also conversations with friends is an incredible yeah. novel as well um so i had encouraged scout to read it and so scout is bipolar and i she can talk about her experience reading the book, but it was a little challenging to her for her to read it and get into it because there are a lot of like psychological elements that can yeah. be kind of triggered, um, which I didn't even like think about when I <laughs> recommended it because sure. I just love the story and it feels so relatable. But in terms of the Hulu series, I don't think I've ever like experienced a book and an adaptation that is equally as good. Like the, yeah. the Hulu series, obviously I agree with you. It's like escapism and we're all kind of indoors right now. We're just like, you know, it's like very porn E, which is great yeah. for our vibe and it's time. And we love it. We love the sexual positivity. And I think that's, and the, the, the chemistry between those two actors are just like, I mean, palpable. So Hi, highly, highly recommend, obviously. Scout, you want to talk about your normal people experience? I feel like we all have a normal people experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I read the book and like halfway through, I was like, it really triggered me. I was really depressed. I was like, this girl, Marianne, has a lot of issues and that I've felt very similar to her. We have different traumas, but I felt very similar to her in that point in her life, in her early 20s, going to college. And it bothered me because I just didn't see her getting help. I didn't see her growing or evolving or, you know, taking care of herself and really putting herself in positions that actually really hurt her and, you know, literally and emotionally. And so um, it was hard for me and I had to take a break, but I could recognize that it was such a beautiful book. So well written. I'm highlighting like everything. And so I just waited until I was in a better space to finish. And I haven't seen the Hulu series just because I just finished the book last week. And I just think that I need some more time to like have that much and just have that much type of content in my face that too much but I do plan on watching the series because I have heard it's amazing and I also am just really interested I think I'm just going to look up the cast because I'm so interested to see who they cast for Marianne you might be disappointed that she's like so much more conventionally beautiful than I think the book kind of makes it feel yeah, that she it is but feel, it makes it 
feel like she's ugly. And I'm like, she's so beautiful. Right. Totally. And, and I do feel like that's something that a lot of people resonated. I resonated with that feeling of like being, feeling like truly unloved at that time that you are not worthy of love because you're not this like typical, you know, pretty girl at, um, you know, the young age of like high school or something. And I think, you know, however beautiful any of us are, none of us feel very beautiful at that age in our life. And so, um, but the book made it seem that she was like really not conventionally, you know, attractive. And so, well, I was just going to say, I love the intuitiveness to your, and the sensitivity to your own um, journey and mental health to take a break when it, when like that was, conflicting with what was like nurturing you or giving back to you and being able to, you know, set something aside and return to it or not return to it kind of like in your own time. And I think that's like such an important skill to develop is like, what am I, what am I consuming and digesting and how to like, um, pay, pay really good attention to that. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I'm so sensitive. So it kind of almost my body just tells me immediately, like, this is not working right now. You need to shift to this kind of mood. Um, And it was just an inherent feeling. I got in bed one night and I was like, I think I'm ready to finish normal people because I can, I felt the emotion. I felt sad for Marianne. I kind of separated her from myself. And I was like, I can now just view this as a great piece of fiction about you know, a human condition story. And so I finished it and, and I was stoked, but I, I am going to wait a little bit before watching the Hulu series. Yeah. I, um, I skipped one of the episodes in the, um, in the Hulu where she has some more, uh, I don't want to say anything to give it away, but like there's a relationship that's maybe not, uh, so healthy for her as you know, in the book and like, I didn't want to watch that. I didn't feel like that would be good for me um, to to kind of see that visually. And so, um, you know, I think that's a good thing for people to think about too is like, are there aspects of a story that you can like just disengage from and then, you know, re-engage or hit fast forward or, you know. Yeah. I mean, that takes a lot of self-awareness and self-surveillance to really recognize. I mean, I don't, I feel like I struggle with that. Like I can't stop reading books halfway through. Like I have to finish certain like things to see it through. And so that's, that's a really good practice is to, is to be like, you know what, this doesn't serve me, but other aspects of this project or of this entertainment or media should serve me. I mean, you kind of, you can kind of translate that to social media um, and to Instagram. We always say like, just unfollow, like you're curating your feed. So if something is not bringing you joy or inspiring you or motivating you, unfollow. Like you have the power and control to unfollow those people. And it can be challenging sometimes because you don't want to either hurt their feelings or what have you. But no, like if it's not serving you, then it's not, it's not fair. And the mute button is great to not have to, um, you know, like formally unfollow someone, but to really be selective about uh, whose voices you're letting in your life. And you might feel different in a couple months or a month or you might never feel different. I definitely have in-laws that are permanently muted. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Probably shouldn't have uh, said that on a podcast, but uh <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're being transparent, we're being real, <laughs> we're being honest. That's like that's the vibe. So um I'm so okay. So let's get into the good trade. Uh, like just the most soothing, nurturing, calming platform, I would mm-hmm. say, on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm always interested, I, I, whenever I see something on the internet where I'm like so compelled and it actually brings me joy and motivation, mm-hmm. I I listen to that. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I kind of like meditate on it. And I'm like, why does this make me feel so good? Because so many parts of the internet are just so negative and disturbing. And mm. so, but this feels like just something that I love the internet because this exists is my, my like viewpoint on it. So I want to hear more so how you started this. What, um, what's the origin story here? Yeah, totally. Um, starting the publication in 2014, I was in grad school at the time studying social entrepreneurship and, At the time, I was really kind of exposed to this way of thinking about business and brands that um, really called them to be, to do more than just like maximize shareholder profit and actually care about the planet and the people involved in their supply chains and all of that. So I started the, the blog at the time just as like a hobby to start kind of talking about companies that were doing better by both people and the planet. And started talking about, um, you know, ways to like support the environment. And especially like five, six years ago, like these concepts about like fast fashion versus slow fashion, these were like really new. Not a lot of people knew kind of A, what they were or B, where to navigate to like, you know, shop more locally, kind of align your values with your, how you spend and your lifestyle habits and all of that. And so, um, so that was kind of like the initial message was like helping people with like really tactical ways that they could either build habits in their life or, or help support brands that did better by both people on the planet. But as our message evolved, it became really clear that like you cannot take good care of the planet or your community if you don't take good care of yourself. And so that's become a huge part of our message as well to like, you know, offer how do you, um, you know, what is true wellness, not like commercialized wellness, not like someone trying to sell you, you know, whatever the thing is, but like, what does wellness of, you know, mind, body, spirit actually mean? And, and when we, um, I think when we, kind of reach that place of, of more healing and more mindfulness, then we're much better equipped to like take care of the planet and take care of our community. So that's kind of like the arc of the, the message, but we, um, I totally started it as a blog and then a couple years in went full time. And now we have a team of full-time editors that work from our office in LA, but are all currently working remotely from their houses in LA right now. What was that transition like from blog to kind of running a site, you know, like having employees and having it more of a journalistic digital operation? Yeah, such a great question. Um, 
It was really fun. It was a really fun transition, but also like really, really terrifying and scary. And the there were two things that kind of prompted like this is a hobby to this is a company. And the first thing was just like the amount of momentum around the conversation. So we started having, um, you know, just so much more traffic so, to our website and so many comments and requests and messages for additional content that I couldn't even begin to like keep up with the volume of things that people wanted to talk about. And so that was really exciting. So I think at the time I went full time, we were at like, 500,000 page views a month or something. Now we're at like 5 million, but it, it was definitely like, oh, there are a lot of people interested in this conversation. And um, so that happened. The other thing that happened was I had on, personally, I had a health issue that was making it really difficult for me to travel. And my, my job required a lot of commuting and travel. And um, I, it, it was like a couple year journey to kind of like get a good diagnosis and figure out what was going on. But I, I stopped my, my job, um, to kind of focus on the health and like, didn't have a plan at all. <laughs> I was like, okay, I kind of need to make something of this project that I've been working on just so that I can like pay rent and, you know, pay my share of the bills. Um, and, and so that I think is an important part of my story that I shared just because like, I don't know that I like would have had the courage to just like take the leap. I felt like forced a little bit and that encourages me to encourage people to like take the leap before they think they're ready, if that makes sense. Um, to transitioning to, to do their kind of passion, their hobby full time, but, but only if the numbers make sense, you know, only if there's like a proof of concept that people are really engaged in what you have to offer. I was just gonna say, I'm going through a similar thing. I just hired another team member for my company and there's always like, yeah. oh my God, another person on payroll and it's, it's anxiety inducing, but you're right. Like you have to take that leap or else it's going to stay stagnant. Exactly. I was just gonna say, we we encourage that piece of advice a lot. The start before you're ready. Um, that's how this podcast was developed. That was, you know, how, and I think how a lot of projects happen because it's the funny thing is like you're never really gonna be ready. Like, what does that even mean? Like, sure, you can try to prepare, and like, honestly, I think a lot of people trying to get into the podcasting space these days are like batching up episodes and preparing and like creating a whole messaging and, and it's, I, I get that. And it's important, but why not just start? Like, just go and figure it out. And, and like the forcefulness is what propels you yes. because we started, we literally just started in two weeks and then we're like, well, fuck, we, we need a guest for next week. <laughs> so and really. we're just like, you know, so it's yeah, just, I like that approach. And it gives you an opportunity to iterate too. When people, especially on the content side for our our businesses, um, you know, for I have people that I've mentored or advised in in um, 
like website content and they'll be like, okay, we're going to, you know, create 30 pieces and then publish. And I'm like, no, publish immediately. Find out how people are responding and then iterate. Uh, listen to your audience, develop this relationship. Don't like go off in a corner and create this entire product and then show it to the world. Like get real time data along the way. Um, but that's a scarier thing to do sometimes. Totally. But it's like the, the, I love that the iteration and the evolution. I mean, we talk about, Scout preaches this a lot where you should feel like we, if we listen to our first episode, it was fine, but it, you know, we've evolved and created a banter between us and it's, you know, but it's like, if you looked back on your first episode and it was the same as what you are now two years ago, like that should be a red flag too. Like you should be improving over time. And not only that, the more you create and the more you put out there, the more you find your jam. Like you can totally go into a project with a brand guideline and a brand vision, but really once you get into the weeds, that's when it's born and that's when it takes shape and that's when it changes. And then you adjust based on, oh, that doesn't feel good anymore. That does feel good. This is going off. This is not going off. And then you just kind of do all these small pivots. But in order to find that equation, you have to put something out there. Yeah. And you need to be malleable. Like you need to be open to changing because if you are, like you said, if you were starting a content driven business, uh, website and you had all this content and then you pushed it out and then it's like, Oh wait, everyone is not vibing with this. And then I already created this like set in stone. I've like really married to this type of brand. Then what do you do? Like you're gonna, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure that way. So that's really important. I have a question about the newsletter because in the newsletter it starts with a quote from you that is yeah. quite profound, quite in tune, very self-aware, has a Well, large- let's 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 read one of them. I wrote some of my favorite okay. ones. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be very painful for me. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. Own it, girl. You are so insightful. It's like maddening. Um so these are two from this week that really resonated with me. One was Hang on when you need to, let go when it is time. Above all, trust your instincts to tell you the truth about when it's time to make a move. And then another one, like so simple, um, defend your health, your aspirations, your dignity, your space in your own life. Yeah. Every time I read them, I'm like, wow, they're, they're just so on point and, and so articulate in such a poetic way. But I, I, Maybe this is just my reaction to quotes like this, but does it ever take it out of you to write a quote like that every week and to really think of a bit? Because what you're doing is every day, every day, sorry, you're compiling a really large message and like putting it into a very manageable bite sized way of saying it and and so that people can digest it quite easily. And that's a lot harder than it than it seems. And so does that emotionally take a toll on you because it is so personal and insightful or is this something that frees you and liberates you? Both, definitely both. I think there are some days when I sit down to write and it just, you know, it just really flows. Like, like I think we can all relate to like creating content, especially content that's, that's more personal or coming from like a deeper kind of soul or spirit place. Um, and then there are times when I literally have to pray to mother nature or spirit or whatever and be like, please, you know, guide me and give me some, something to share, uh, when I feel like really kind of empty or drained. Um, 
my lens when I write those few sentences for each day is to write to my sisters. So I have two younger sisters and um, my, you know, role or identity as a sister is one of probably the most cherished in my life among all the kind of, you know, identities I carry. And um, one is five years younger than I am and one is eight years younger than I am. And so I really kind of write to myself at their age, but also to them about things that I wish I could tell myself and, and that I am really thankful I get a chance to, to tell them, you know, and, um, and they're amazing and teach me way more than I could ever teach them. But, um, but yeah, I think when you're creating something that's really personal or meaningful, sometimes it's really exhausting and sometimes it's really like fun and freeing and energizing, but it's kind of different day to day. Yeah, I can totally see that. And then question, do they read your newsletter? <laughs> they do, they do. But like, they, I haven't explicitly told them I'm writing to them. Got it. Well, sometimes I will. Sometimes I'll be like, Taylor, that was for you. You need to go write it. Like <laughs> 130,000 people just read my message directly to you. <laughs> like, and they, they so, love that. That's so special. That's so special. And I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard that just because, and I think that's a really great piece of advice for people that might have writer's block too. Totally. Like, why don't you, you know, instead of, obviously you have to think of your audience in mind, but how do you just kind of like scale it down so it doesn't feel so overwhelming yeah. or impossible? Yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to chat with my sister. I'm going to give her some advice. Yeah. Like that to me seems so much more manageable and exciting and and personal like that is a really great great piece of advice I love that well I was gonna say that's our whole editorial lens with our voice as well as actually like a sisterly voice across our site and we our editorial team we are constantly going back to like is this something is this how a sister or a friend would look I'd close to talk to another we don't want our tone at to ever be like too many steps ahead of someone else. We want to be right in step. Like I'm here, I'm with you. This is what I have to share that might be meaningful. Take it or leave it. Like, and that's the lens that we, you know, if we come to something and we're like, okay, we're talking about the environment, but we're talking in a really like heavy handed way, then we're like, scrap it. We have to totally change the tone. We have to talk about it the way that we would talk to our own, you know, family or dear friend. And, um, I think that's been like a really guiding through line for just our voice. And I think that's helpful for any writer is to be like, you know, really identify like who are you writing to and how does that um, really narrow in the way that you speak to your audience. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you've come to the right place because we love sisters over here. Yeah. We're part of the <laughs> um, no, but that, I mean, it is true. And I think the foundation of our whole podcast has grown from that where it feels like a sisterly chat when we have mm -hmm. guests on and it feels like a sleepover and it, yeah. and all of our listeners also feel like friends of Included ours. We never want to. Yep. Yeah. Like, and, and as you said about, we don't want to be ahead of them. We want to be on their same playing field, which is how we approach our listeners. We're like, we're not like superior to you. Like we're just, you know, sisters yes. from San Diego. So like, totally. we want to be on your same level and parallel with you. We're not like, 
reigning over you, which I think is a really great stance and it helps people to feel um, more impacted by what you, what you offer. So something, some big part of your entire existence and career is sustainability and ethical fashion and lifestyle yeah. and home and, and everything. And I don't know if this is like controversial, but whatever. Um, like, I guess historically, I've kind of seen like sustainability and ethically sourced products and consumerism to be not as cool, maybe. Totally. And like, maybe like <laughs> not as sexy. And yeah. it's just like, oh, they're, or it's like, oh, they're, they don't have, they have limited resources. So it's not going to be as good as their counterpoint product, whatever, whatever the connotations are. And I'm sure you had those before and I'm sure everyone does. But when I come to the good trade, I don't feel limited. Like I don't feel like you guys are not giving me the best product. Like it, it really feels, and maybe it's just a testament to how much we've grown as a consumer, um, as consumers and as companies to be able to create superior products that are better for the environment. So kind of touch mm -hmm. on um, maybe busting that myth that people typically totally. have. Well, I think there's some truth to that myth. So um, we'll start there. Um, yeah, I we think about this with three for three different factors. We think about the aesthetic. So like especially five or six years ago, the aesthetic for more sustainability kind of minded, especially in fashion, was like so granola and crunchy and like linen bag dress with clogs. Like that was, there was this whole like style that went with it. Um, so we've really done a lot of work to try to curate like what are brands that are more fashion forward that incorporate like a sense of style even if it's timeless pieces like how are they drawing upon trends and color and and um so that's been really exciting to like see it evolve the other the other two things that we look at are um, accessibility in terms of price. So that's another thing where like early on in the conversation, people were like, yeah, I'm not going to pay, you know, X amount for something that is sustainably made when I could, you know, look at fast fashion or other things. And I think there's been a really wonderful shift in mindset from consumers who are mm -hmm. looking to invest in pieces that, that they love, that they get tailored to fit them well, that last them for a very long time, but also the price has been able to come down as there have been more like ethical, sustainable brands. And those brands have gotten larger and been able to leverage, you know, deeper, larger supply chains to kind of bring the price down. And then just like quality, like you mentioned too, like you want just as nice stuff, even though it's like ethically and sustainably made. And again, that's like, really evolved in the last five or six years. I think one example of this, so our our first article that ever went viral was 35 fair trade fashion brands that are betting against fast fashion. So it was like a guide to like 35 fair trade clothing brands. And we created this guide in like 2014 and we could not find 35 brands that were, you know, had ethical practices. Like it was pulling teeth. It took 
hours and hours of research. Now we um, update that guide at least twice annually, and we just have hundreds that we get to pick from. And so now we get to really pick from like, okay, we want a range of styles. We want a range of price accessibility. We want to make sure every brand is like inclusive in their model diversity and their size diversity. And um, so that's a really cool like temperature check on how much the industry has evolved in just, you know, half a decade. I love that. Yeah. It's, it it makes, obviously it's something where you can feel better about where you're putting your dollars, but then you don't have to sacrifice, like you said, quality or sacrifice aesthetics. Like the aesthetic on, on, on the brands that you guys are putting forth is like so on point something that I would want anyways. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's been incredible the evolution of these types of brands that have been able to do what they can with, with ethically, um, sourced operations, if you will. Um, okay. So one other, and I, I feel like you just have the best routines. I don't know. I have have like a, a little hunch that you have like really great morning routines. We're big morning routine people here. So I'd love to hear kind of what do you do daily for some self-care and mindfulness um, just to, to maintain mindfulness throughout your day? What are, what are some things that you do? Yeah, I feel like I was in such a great rhythm and then COVID-19 happened and now my life is like, you know, completely blown up and all the regular touch points of like the things you build into your rituals, like before you get to work, how you handle your commute, the first few minutes you spend at work, like that transition back home, all of that. I feel like I had spent really like a few years like developing my, my little things that were meaningful and gave back to me throughout that process. And now it's all like gone to shit because it's just completely different. (laughs) I'm sure Um, not, but. Well, it's changed. It's had to evolve. But like, it's different. And so, but something that's like really soothing for me right now, that's kind of like the cornerstone of my routine. And this isn't happening in the morning, um, but it's being able to exercise every day. And by exercise, I mean, like, just like move my body, like gentle yoga, or I walk the stairs outside my house, or I, um, just do some type of movement. And I cannot express how freeing it has been to not have it dictated to me what kind of movement I'm doing. Cause usually I would go to workout classes, but I can't do that right now. Um, but to actually be able to choose like, Oh, I need something more restorative now, or I need something with cardio today has been like such a really beautiful way to get back in touch with my body. And even my like hormonal cycle and really paying attention to like at what points of my cycle I need cardio or I need to be more restful. And so I feel like I've really gotten to know myself better through that. And, um, so that, that routine, I always end with like a few minutes of journaling after that, even if it's just like literally five minutes, um, to like, write something that I'm thankful for or that I'm feeling was like really beautiful about the day. And um, so I do this in between when I sign off from work and then head into the rest of the evening. And it's a really great transition while I'm working from home to like designate 
the difference between like my work day and my evening. So I am like, there's so many things that you've said throughout this time that we've talked that's resonated with me, but something that's really coming up for me is that in COVID-19, I have, I've been in therapy since 14, since I struggle with a mental illness. And so I have been forced to get to know myself and forced to get to know my habits and like what, what my body says. So I'm like, Mads can attest, I'm like quite in tune with, with things, Mm -hmm. but during COVID-19 and during quarantine, I'm under covering so many other layers of myself that are so beautiful. And I'm falling in love with the process of learning myself because it's different every day. But sometimes I get fucking tired. Like, I'm like, I don't want to tune in. I don't want to, like, hear the subtleties of my mindfulness and my self-awareness. And, like, I just want to fucking be. Like, I just want to be without effort. And it's, like, it's such a – I think I'm in the middle of that breakthrough. And so it's that, like, that resistance is happening where it's taking me back to, like, my ego and my limiting beliefs. And I'm trying to break through from that. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I didn't mean to update you on my life. But I am wondering for you if the impetus (laughs) – if the impetus to being this self-aware, because usually for me, it's because I'm bipolar. Was it your health scare that made you this way? Have you mm-hmm. always been this way? Or has it been a practice that slowly developed and fallen into your lap? That's such a great question. It was totally my health situation that, you know, getting a tough diagnosis, having to learn I had to make like some pretty massive lifestyle changes and like diet and stress and um, therapy was like a huge, uh, huge part of the healing process for me. And then I, you know, I still have this chronic condition. So like if I'm not in touch with my body, I know, (laughs) you know, like my body like lets me know like this isn't working. And so, um, that I got the diagnosis when I was 25, I believe. So I've had like, I don't know whether it's like just adulthood, like five or six years later, or, and also this kind of, you know, big part of my life. But I think it's both of those things that I've, that I've like really come to cherish, um, taking care of myself and my body and listening and just like trusting that intuition. I grew up in the Midwest and like there was not a lot of literacy about like treat, uh, you know, understanding that your body knew what it needed. (laughs) And, you know, even like intuitive eating and stuff, like I would just like eat sugar and bread all the time. And then, you know, after kind of going through the, the health journey, I was like, oh, there are real cravings that I have both like physical, but also emotional that I am needing to like understand and take better care and nourish like my body and, and soul and spirit in a way that feels better for me. What do you do when you get angry? Like, or are you past that? Are you in such an acceptance mode of your diagnosis and your situation that this is the way you have to live your life? Because I always practice acceptance because these are the things like I have to journal every morning. I have to meditate. I have to do things or else my bipolar flares up. And sometimes every now and then I get angry and I like telling people that because people think I have like my mental health figured out. But sometimes I'm like, fuck this. Like that sucks. But I know that the alternative is even worse and that these practices are really meant to nourish your body. Do you ever get overwhelmed by, by this task? Definitely. And I think, Anger has become one of my most 
treasured and valued emotions I have in my life because it directs me to protect myself. You know, my anger usually surfaces at people or injustices or societal norms that are causing me anxiety and therefore, you know, my body is like reacting in a certain way. But I think that anger instructs me to like, okay, this, um, this thing isn't good for me or I can't handle it right now. Like I'm not in a place to engage with it. And it helps me set boundaries in my life. Girl, I think I need to like set up a group with you. I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to set up a group. Let's do it. It's truly like your spirit is just I feel like I have it's been divi- it's divine softened. it's di- it's so it's for sure divine I feel pacified I feel like I am a little baby being tucked in to my bed like it's just this is exactly what we need during this time and I know a lot a lot of people are going to um love this conversation just because I think and obviously, everyone, if you're listening to this, you have to subscribe to The Daily Good because you're you're just missing out on this, like, tender, reassuring way to start your day. Like, it just – that is what it is. And the fact that you have committed your life's work to creating that feeling is is really powerful. Shall we ask our last question? Oh, yes, we shall. Let's do it. Okay, Amy Ann, we always ask our guests this. If you could brag about one thing in your life and not being humble, don't even mm. be worried about sounding arrogant or cocky or whatever, what would you brag about? Okay, one of the things I am most proud of in my whole life is my ten, almost 10-year ten marriage. <laughs> and I, it just like takes so much work and attention to to love someone else not that like my husband is so lovable it's like really you know frustrating because he's like probably way easier to love um but i i feel like it you know like of course i'm proud of my accomplishments i'm proud of my company i'm proud of many things but i think you know like just the day in day out like work of being seen (laughs) and seeing someone else is something I'm really proud of in my life oh my god I've totally given the same answer I love it I love it so much it's people don't think to be proud of their marriages and it's totally it's the most illuminating self-work discovery hard beautiful loving thing you can do and it it is different when you get married because all of a sudden your lives are so intertwined in every fucking way but anyways that was beautiful and we love you oh thanks guys okay tell everyone where they can find you oh yeah go mads you do that oh well tell everyone where they can find you (laughs) (laughs) obviously find the good uh the daily good the good trade all the everything yes awesome so you can find The Good Trade at thegoodtrade.com or at The Good Trade on any social channels. And then um, The Daily Good, you can sign up in our link in bio on Instagram. Or if you go to our website, there's like a million places to sign up for the newsletter. And that that is such a great way to kind of like enter our community and start start being a part of um, what we're what we're doing. Thank you for coming and you can find us at OKSIS Podcast. Love you, sisters. 
Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. 